Does anyone know that? Ella? Silas. Good, good, good. Awesome. We know our Bible. Let's go. And so this is a true account. It's recorded in the book of Acts in chapter 16. And this was Paul's first imprisonment. And the location is in the city of Philippi. In the city of Philippi. And so that's why I wanted to start off with that story because we, in our series, are going to be going through the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, which was written by the Apostle Paul. And some key themes are joy and sacrifice. And our series' big idea is knowing Jesus in a deep and personal way gives hope and humility in our darkest of times, even in the midst of prison, which Paul and Silas were in. Now, what are the events surrounding the writing of this letter, of this letter to the Philippians? Now, Paul is in prison in Rome, as recorded in Acts chapter 28. The letters written during this imprisonment are called prison epistles. Epistles is just a fancy word for letters. And the four books are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, uh, this is quite the name, Epaphroditus. This was the pastor of the church in Philippi, and he visited Paul under house arrest in Rome. And so just so we have our timeline figured out, uh, when Paul and Silas were in prison, that was around 51 AD. When Paul writes this letter, it's in about 61 AD, so 10 years after the fact. And so... Epaphroditus, he, the pastor at the church of Philippi at this time in 61 AD, he visited Paul under house arrest to encourage him and to deliver a financial gift. When Paul sent Epaphroditus back, he sent him with this letter, what we call the book of Philippians. And so uh, right now I'm gonna have all of us stand. I'm gonna invite Micah up. Uh, to read our passage. Today's passage is going to be Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And if you guys can remain standing after Micah reads, we're going to pray. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank my God every I thank my God every time I see him. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is, in, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I, since I have you in my heart, and I'm sorry, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may be abound more than the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure for the blameless and the for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thank you. Thank you, Micah. Let's go ahead and pray. So God, we thank you for your word, how it is the source of truth. Uh, We want to clean everything that we can from this passage. Would you teach us through your Holy Spirit today and bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you all. So for these 11 verses, I want to provide an outline for us. And an outline is a helpful tool for us to better understand a passage of scripture. And so I've broken it up into three sections. Uh, Section one is Paul's greeting, which is verses one and two. Paul's heart, verses three through eight. And Paul's prayer, verses nine through 11. So our first section is Paul's greeting, which says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So looking here, Paul, who is Paul? Paul was an apostle. He didn't start off that way. He started as a persecutor of Christians, a Pharisee, a Jewish Pharisee, so a very religious person, but he did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, as the anointed one, the promised one of the Old Testament, until an encounter on the road to Damascus. And it was really that moment where he became, um, really, he turned from a persecutor to a preacher, to an apostle to the Gentiles. And an apostle really just means uh, he was chosen by the Holy Spirit, that he witnessed the resurrected Christ, and he had the ability to perform miracles. And so we call that really apostolic authority, right? And so he writes in this letter, so we take it in as the authoritative word of God, Paul, he went on three missionary tours, and it was on the second missionary tour um, that we recounted with the missionary story with Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in Philippi. Now, who is Timothy? Timothy was a convert on Paul's first missionary tour who actually joined Paul and Silas on that second tour. So Timothy is a familiar face to the people in Philippi. And it was later in Timothy's ministry that he became the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And Paul writes, Uh, He wrote, excuse me, he wrote two letters to Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And and I want to read what Paul had to say about Timothy in the book of Philippians. So in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, Timothy is talked about. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. 
catch this, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. It continues, but really Paul Paul considered Timothy as a son. Uh, as a spiritual son, and, and that's just an amazing relationship. So that's kind of a, a little preview on who Timothy is. Now, let's look at servants of Christ Jesus. And this word servant, it really comes from the Greek word uh, pronounced doulos. Everyone say doulos. Beautiful. You guys are Greek scholars already. Um, And so what I want to highlight with this word is that in the Greek, um, well, it's kind of interesting how the translators uh, chose this word servant here. I think it's mainly because of the bad taste. Uh, The word uh, slaves leaves in people's mouths because that word doulos actually really means slaves. And I think it's a better word to describe um, who we are in relationship to Christ. Uh, there's six Greek words for servant, um, and doulos is not one of those. And so this is some of the reasons why I think doulos is a better word, why slave is a better word. One is because Christians are purchased, right? Just as slaves are purchased, uh, Christians have been purchased by Christ's blood. Christ is our master. He is Lord, right? We are to serve no one else but him. Now, servants, they were employed. So essentially, um, servants served their employer. And you can have multiple employers, right? You can serve multiple people, but not the case with being a slave. You only have one master. We are to obey him and please him. Even in Ephesians 6, 6, it uses this word doulos and the translators did uh, translate it slaves of Christ. As slaves of Christ, we're to be subject to him, fully submissive, totally dependent upon him. And Paul I think he really had a proper, humble view of himself. And this theme of slaves, of doulos, of service, really carries on throughout the entire book of Philippians. It sets the tone, especially in chapter two, and how it looks to Christ, who took on the very nature of a doulos, of a slave. And so... Looking at the next part, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. So who's the audience? The audience is the holy people, right? Uh, Some translations say saints, and I love that, especially with the song, Oh, when the saints go marching in, when the saints go marching in, oh, how I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching in. You guys know that song, right? Okay, why weren't you singing with me? Come on, guys. Oh, thank you, Landon. Thank you for snapping along. No, I'm messing with you guys. Um, but uh, 
to call ourselves a saint seems really weird. You know, you think of like old dead people. Um, but Christians can consider themselves saints, holy people, not out of pride and what they've done, but out of humility and what Christ has done for them, what Christ has won for the believer. And it's key thing, we're holy people in Christ Jesus. It's his righteousness, it's not our own. So that's an important distinction. And we see that it's to the holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. And we talked briefly about this, but Philippi was Paul's first church plant in Europe. It's located in modern day Greece. Its ruins are still there today. It was a leading city, a Roman colony, which meant that the citizens of this city were Roman citizens. And as a Roman citizen, you got some benefits, okay? You didn't have to pay taxes. You received fair trials, etc. So there was quite a bit of just um, great benefits of being a Roman citizen. And so looking at the map here, you can see that it's located in modern day Greece near the Mediterranean Sea. So this is a, a real location. You could visit there today if you wanted. Uh, I definitely want to. Looking next at the overseers and deacons, together with them. Overseers, who are overseers? Those are pastors. Deacons, those are people who have, uh, who participate in the practical side of ministry. If you wanna know more about uh, those individuals and the qualifications for those, uh, read 1 Timothy chapter three, Titus chapter one. I'm not gonna spend much time there. Verse two, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question is, what is grace? I love that song that Louise uh, led us in this evening by grace alone. So we've seen it, but what does it mean, right? Uh, grace can be simply defined as unmerited favor. If you think of merit badges, right? Anyone involved with Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or whatever, you know that you can earn badges, merit badges. Merit means you've earned it. So unmerited means that you didn't earn it. It's a gift. And I love this, uh, this way of remembering what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, I think it's important that we realize that the price Christ paid on the cross uh, is really the picture of grace, right? He uh, gives us salvation through faith. Um, and grace isn't just for um, eternal life. It's also for temporal life, for the here and the now. But Paul doesn't just end his salutation with grace to you. It's grace and peace. Peace is wholeness, uh, is to bind together. It's tranquility. And so with this, once we receive the grace of God, we then have peace with God. 
So there's an order. The order is significant. Grace comes first and then peace. Once we've received grace, the grace of God, we then experience the peace with God. And without God's grace, we are children of wrath. But by God's grace, by Christ's sacrifice, we can be brought together having peace with God. Uh, This is a common salutation from Paul. Uh, There's a lot of scriptures that relate to this. You can see all the times Paul uses it. Uh, Some other authors, aka that aren't Paul, also um, include this salutation. But this is kind of like a trademark of Paul in his writing. And we see the source. We see the source of this grace and peace. It is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the source. That's where we receive this grace. And so those two verses are Paul's greeting. Let's move into the next section, looking at Paul's heart. Starting with verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Who thanks God when they think of you? Who is praying for you? Now, we have to remember that Paul, when he's writing this, he is under house arrest. He is in chains. Yet he is praying with joy for these Christians in Philippi. I think that's just so amazing. And I I love that every time, always. It's just amazing looking at Paul's heart for these uh, Christians in Philippi. And I underlined the word my, my God. That's a possessive pronoun. My God, it's not just the God of the universe, it's my God. And as believers, we have that privilege of approaching the throne of grace in full confidence, not in in who we are or what we've done, but just through Christ. Partnership in the gospel. How was the church at Philippi partners in the gospel with Paul? Well, they were a people who were giving, they were praying, they were suffering, and they were witnessing. And it's amazing because the Philippians witness the effectiveness of Paul's ministry, even in chains, right? We talked about the story at the very beginning. In chains, the jailer and his household came to Christ. So even while Paul is in chains in Rome, they have confidence that he is still being effective in ministry. I think also when someone shares the good news of Jesus Christ, there exists an an unquenchable appreciation. Paul had introduced them to the Savior. Supporting Paul financially was the least they could do. Praying for him was the least they could do. Looking at verse six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ. You know, God is faithful. Uh, When God um, does his work in our hearts, when he uh, 
indwells you with the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's not, you know, just renting out space in and out, in and out. No, he's there to stay. Uh, Romans 8.30 says, those God justified, he also glorified. And that really shows the beginning to the completion. How when we are justified, that when we're declared righteous by God, it's as if we are glorified. And that day of glorification will be when we meet Christ face to face at the day of Christ. Looking at verse seven and eight, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Are you continuing to hear Paul's heart? Paul gives even like a defense, a justification for his feelings. Um, And I think this is so amazing how Paul is in chains, yet he's the one who's providing encouragement. I think in our really ego-driven, self-absorbed society, this is countercultural, where everyone's focused on me, myself, and I. Paul models what it means to consider others before yourself. And so we should have this same heart, uh, really for the church, the body of Christ, knowing what Christ has done. Let's look at that final section, Paul's prayer. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I want us to look at that word love. I want us to look at the word love. In Greek, uh, the language the New Testament was written in, there are multiple words for love. Uh, In our English language, when we say, oh, I love pizza, it doesn't carry the same weight, I guess, as when a couple is at the altar exchanging vows and, you know, they say, I love you, right? So same word, two different contexts. Uh, the same love is different. And so the Greek word for love here is agape. Agape is self-sacrificial love, which seeks the loved one's highest good. Agape is an attribute of God. First John 4, 16 says, and so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. God is agape. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Paul's praying that this love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So this is an informed love. It's not a... Uh, an absent of thought. It's not absent of reasoning and logic. Our love for God should be rooted in the knowledge of who God is, found in his word. Similarly, our love for others should be rooted in the knowledge of who God is and his heart for them expressed in scripture. As our knowledge of God grows, our love of God should grow accordingly. As our love for God grows, it should cause us to pursue knowing him more. Knowledge and love go hand in hand, right? 
if you um, are pursuing someone romantically, you are actively seeking to know them better. And so we see this applies to our relationship with God. We need to be actively pursuing a deeper knowledge of him. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, when I was studying this passage, I kind of came to this, this question like, what does may be able to discern what is best mean? What does this mean? It means to differentiate between what is right and what is wrong, what is morally good and what is morally bad. Man, I was like, that, that, that's so much more depth because when, when I read that, like, may you discern what is best, it's kind of just so vague and outward, but this hones it down. In our culture today, we're dealing with so many moral issues. We're dealing with homosexuality, with transgenderism, with abortion, etc. Guys, the Bible has the answers to these issues, yet so many people don't bother to look. We must be rooted in truth. We must be rooted in God's word. It's so important. Uh, Psalm 119 is a, a chapter in uh, the Bible that David, the psalmist, King David wrote, and it's a Hebrew acrostic, and it's all about God's word. So he starts off with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and literally goes through it all, starting off certain sections with that letter. And you can see here that this section emphasizes God's word is truth. You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statues you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. Your statutes are always righteous. Give me understanding that I may live, that I may live. And we cling to God's word. And it continues, uh, verse 10 in Philippians, it continues, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So if we know what is right and we know what is wrong, we can then choose what is right. Therefore, being pure and blameless, uh, we can then achieve that. And pure, pure from what? Pure from sin. And so that's so important. The day of Christ, what's that referring to? It's referring to when we come face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to give an account for our life, for the things we've done, the good, the bad. Will you be ready that day? And so, uh, on that day, I want to add this. On that day, uh, will God say to you, good and faithful do loss? Good and faithful slave, good and faithful servant. And so I want to invite Kyan up, um, and he's going to share an insightful il illustration. We were, yeah, you can give him a hand. We love Kyan here at Bethel Youth. And so it was so cool because we were just at summer camp. Uh, many people were already dismissed, and we were just kind of just in the moment. And, and Kyan shared this, and I'm like, wow, this is really good, and I don't want him to share it with you all. 
Hey, so you guys all brush your teeth, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you aren't, you should. But, you know, you don't brush your teeth once a month, right? So if you would, <laughs> if you would brush your teeth once a month, how good is that going to do for your teeth? You're not going to, if you like brush your month, or you brush your teeth at the first of the month, and then at the last day of the month, you check and look at your teeth. It's probably going to be in a worse condition than you found your teeth. That is so, but if you brush your teeth one day, If you, but if you brush your teeth once every, did I turn it off? Hello. Oh, okay. There we go. So if you brush your teeth once every day for like a week or a month, you're going to see improvement. So brushing your teeth once in for like a month is not going to do anything. Now, this is the same with reading your Bible and growing your faith in Jesus. If you, at the first of the month, you wake up and you read your Bible and you only read it that first day of the month, and you like don't read it the rest of the month, it's not going to do anything for your faith. But if you read it once every day for the entire month, you're going to just ex- like along in your faith with Jesus so much. So it'll do a lot. And that's kind of relates with the idea of being pure and blameless because you'll have that kind of relationship with Jesus instead of just, brushing your teeth once or doing something once in a month, you have, it's kind of, you know, a continuous process. So, yeah. Thank you, Kyan. Isn't that an insightful illustration? I love that. And Jesus actually says uh, something even along those lines. Uh, John seventeen seventeen reads, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And that's amazing. Just as we brush our teeth to clean our teeth, we need to daily be in God's word to clean us. Uh, David wrote this. He put it like this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love that. So looking at verse 11, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So when you are filled with the truth rooted in God's word, the fruit of righteousness is produced. Right living is produced. The fruit is good works. It comes through Jesus Christ for his glory. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Instead of people looking at us and saying, they're a good person, we want people to look at us and say, they serve a good God. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to dismiss into our huddles. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this, these truths from Paul, from your word. Um, his heart for this church is just amazing. May we be um, inspired by that. May we love others with that kind of love. May our love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. 
that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to your glory and to your praise. Bless our huddles. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen. Amen. So we're gonna break off to our huddles. We don't have too much time, but uh, youth leaders just uh, kind of choose some questions that... um, that will be meaningful in this time from the screen. Uh, boys are in the back, girls are in the front. High school is to your right, middle school to the left.